welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher, and I am here, as always, with my good friend, Tom. Hi. <laughs> How have you been, Tom? Sorry. It, 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 it's August, folks, and it is crazy out there. Yeah, 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 it is. Uh, it's crazy everywhere. We are, um, yeah, as we're recording this, it's uh, middle of August. Um, we're still looking a month out to Cincinnati Comic Expo and keep on our fingers crossed. I'm hoping like the COVID thing kind of starts dipping down a little bit in the next few weeks so I can actually go to this thing. Who knows? Maybe I need to wear my Cobra Commander helmet just as a health precaution. Yeah, possibly. I I might have to get myself a hazmat suit or something like that. I just really want to go to a convention. (laughs) That's a... You walk around in a hazmat suit. Everyone's going, what character are you? I'm like, I'm no character. I'm just trying to live. (laughs) Well, let's see. I don't have a whole heck of a lot else going on. I've not really been watching anything of any note. Uh, A little bit of news did pop up. Now, obviously, by the time everyone hears this, this will be old news, but I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, I, I think you've you've heard about this. Tim Burton is going to be doing a, a live action series called Wednesday, which is based on Wednesday Adams of the Adams family. Uh, yes. This is going to be a Netflix original, described as being what it was it a uh, sleuthy, supernaturally infused mystery charting Wednesday Adams' years as a student at Nevermore Academy. Wednesday will be played by Jenna Ortega, who's known for the babysitter, Killer Queen, and Scream. And this news is what just recently came out, at least recent as of time of recording, is that they have cast Luis Guzman and Catherine Zeta-Jones as Gomez and Morticia Adams. And I have to say, for me personally, it was kind of one of these things where if you had asked me who would you cast... For this, for these characters, I'd I'd be at a blank. But then yeah, they yeah. announce these, and I think, well, obviously those two. <laughs> <laughs> it is an interesting mix, and I'm I, I'm particularly fascinated by the uh, the Latin trio uh, for a gothic piece. Yeah, sure. That's kind of an interesting way to go. That should be a lot of fun. So. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's I, I'm looking forward to him as Gomez. Oh, absolutely! Though. This makes me even think too. I mean, whenever you think of uh, Adam's family, you immediately go to um, the the television show, and you go to mm-hmm. um, Raul Julia. Oh well, the movie with Raul Julia. Yeah, I always go back to the original TV show, which is a John Aston. Uh, but when you talk about Louise Guzman, this makes me think, you know, this is going back to like the original Charles Adams comics is how I picture him. It's like the comics being kind of personified. Like, that's really cool. I'm trying to remember the year of it, but the, I also remember there was an animated series for a short period of time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and not not like the animated movie that's out now, which is still also an excellent Adams Family. That's what I hear. It's um, on the list to watch. We're gonna watch that eventually. No, and looking forward to the second one that's due out this year. Um, but the the animated series where Gomez is more of this shorter kind of almost crazy guy. Yeah. Um, Kind of looks just yeah, it kind of harkens to that. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, exactly. These are the same. I remember that uh, animated series. That was the animated series, too, when they, they showed up on, like, the Scooby-Doo movie. I remember yeah. their guest starring on that. <laughs> like, that's the one. Yeah, he's only, like, three feet tall <laughs> and kind of... <laughs> yes, no, uh, yeah. So Morticia is this gargantuan, Towering. skinny giant. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't uh, envy Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, having to... Uh, um, maintain a Morticia-like figure. Because <laughs> that's hard on anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Adam's Family is one of these things where you go back to the original TV show, John Aston and Carolyn Jones, you can't picture anybody else doing that, you know? And you thought no one could ever replace them. And then the movies came out. And it was um, Raul Julia and, and Angelica Houston. Houston. And you think... Okay, okay, well, they could do it, but you could never <laughs> yeah. replace them. And then they come up with these two, and I'm thinking, okay, 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 fine. Those guys, too. Oh, and then, and then yeah, the 2019 animated, and it's uh, Oscar Isaac and Charlize Theron, and then you're like, nope, that works, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe the Addams Family is a little... I think that's what's kind of fun about them. They are monsters. They're the classic monsters, but they are so relatable. Yeah. Well, I actually I think that what's what's kind of great about the Adams family is that they're you call them the monsters, but I don't see them as monsters. They're just you know they're normal. They're people, but they just they have are. that that weird little bent that they like the macabre and the weird and the strange. And you're like, ah, that's why you can kind of relate. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, 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 that's accurate. I mean that you can see where they fit some of the client kind of universal monster classics, but that you're right. You're absolutely right. They are not monsters. Right. They just kind of emulate them. Yeah. I mean, you know, horror movies are family films and, that sort of thing in the Adams household. It's just well, and then you get the little bents with the the with thing. No, that's true. Yeah, there there are a couple that you're like, yeah, that's not human. <laughs> I I hope this series takes off, and I hope it does well because I'd like to see other to see what they would do with other you know recasting of you know guest stars. Uh, these two are just guest stars. They won't be regular appearances. I mean, it is supposed to be right. focused on Wednesday and her exploits and everything. Um, so I'd be curious, though, if Uncle Fester might show up and who they might get. Well, and you can't have her not at least pick on Pugsley at some point. Oh, that's true. Obviously, her brother is going to have to make some appearances. Yeah, there's no way you get get around that. So, but haven't heard anything on casting for a Pugsley. No, no. But uh, if the series progresses, that's something that's gonna have to happen. So we we will see it. But yeah, no, the notion uh, alone that uh, Tim Burton is at the reins of this thing, he, he just exudes Adam's family yes. just in and of well, himself. And that's it's, the one thing that I think is going to that if anyone else were behind this I would just look at this and think oh crap, this is just going to be like the, something on the CW. You know, this is going right. to be some just stupid teen drama wrapped with a Adam's family shell or something like that. Right. But this is Tim Burton. So I'm thinking maybe that's not going to happen. One can hope. I hope he hasn't uh, somehow uh, lost a bit of his edge in his older age. Right, right. Uh, that, that this is him going to the the fluff piece of his career. Right. <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> not this. Not this. Please, not this. No, no. But, I mean, I mean, hell, he could practically insert himself into an episode and he looks like a character that belongs <laughs> yeah, that's true in an Adams family tale yeah yeah he could you know cousin somebody or something he could have accidentally walked across the screen and someone would go oh it just me another one of the Adams yep <laughs> yeah so we we shall see I just uh, thought that was just fantastic casting news and um, yeah curious to see what they come out with it with the series it should be fun Yep, no, definitely looking forward to it. 
Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up, I don't often mention this, and I probably should more often, is that, you know, this podcast is available at pretty much any place you can get podcasts. And many of those places do allow you to rate and review the show. Uh, I uh, It is the internet, folks. I logged on to... Um, I, I have been a user, or at least have been have registered the podcasts or whatever, with uh, chartable.com which I only just recently found out will let you see reviews from all over the world, at least Apple Podcast reviews, because for whatever reason, Apple Podcast decides that you only want to see U.S. reviews on in the U.S. It's all region-locked for some stupid reason. <laughs> um, so we did get a... Um, we have gotten actually a, a couple of reviews, one of which I only bring it up because it actually came from uh, Ireland, and it was, so we are like international. So how cool is that? Uh, but a very recent review just came up, and I thought it was it was timely because uh, it was a five star, which is really nice. Thank you very much. Yes, thank and you. And this user said it's good, clean fun. They said they found this podcast looking up some MST3K content and really enjoy you doing the films Unrift. Where other MST3K-related pods use strong and persistent profanity, you guys keep it PG-13 at worst. Really, other MST3K pods oddly F-bombing up at outrageous levels contrary to their very clean source material show. That shtick gets old very quickly. This show does other genre films as well, and I was especially drawn and greatly enjoyed their take on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It says this mimics an... uh, This, I think, um, autocorrect got in the way. I'm not sure what this sentence exactly... I'll read the entire sentence, and uh, maybe you can help me decipher. That this mimics and improves me and my old friends talking of genre films. Really nice show, gentlemen. So I think that means that it mimics and reminds him of... Reminds. Yes. But uh, this was some 37 View 37 via Apple Podcasts here in the U.S. But thank you very much for that awesome review, and I'm glad you're enjoying the MST3K on Rift. It's been a fun series. Tom and I, I think, are, have both really enjoyed that, even when the films aren't so great. <laughs> Sometimes even more so when they're not so great. There are times. There are times. There are those ones that deserve it. Yeah, see, uh, yeah, we got one um, from uh, Great Britain, the Loving This Movie podcast. Uh, I thought I saw one from Ireland, but now I can't find... Oh, that was from... That one was from Ireland. Yeah, nope, nope, this is actually from Ireland. That was actually a couple years ago, but still, they were, uh, they liked the show. But that was the most recent one that we got just earlier this month, so I wanted to bring that up to you and let you hear the, know that people are appreciating our, uh, our efforts. That's amazing. No, I, I, it's... Well, one, it's amazing to think that there are people out beyond our own borders that uh, that are listening. I realize it's the internet; you can get it from anywhere. But uh, I, I appreciate that uh, they're taking the time and they they actually kind of get it. They uh, uh, the the one there that uh, makes mention of uh, how it reminds him of reminiscing with his uh, with his friends. That's exactly what this is born out of. Yep, absolutely. I think most movie podcasts are born out of that. I don't know how much of us... I think there's very few of us that truly come to this thinking, well, I've got something to say that no one else does. <laughs> <laughs> we recognize that you have lots of options out there in podcasts. <laughs> we appreciate that you choose ours. <laughs> well, we absolutely do. It is really nice. It's very rewarding to actually hear back from someone that's listened to the show and enjoys it. Uh, so thank you very much there, uh, 37 view 37 or whatever the user was really appreciate it you've got anything else that you wanted to talk about or you've been I know you've been busy with the uh, with work and school so work work has kept me busy but uh, I, I am happy I have watched well I'm only one episode in because there's only been one episode so far but I am always happy to see the return of uh, Star Trek Lower Decks oh the second season has uh, started the second season just dropped, and as as is becoming more and more commonplace, it's a one per week kind of thing. So I, I can't binge the all of them and then let you know how I feel. But uh, uh, I, I lo- 
they're rife for uh, all the Easter eggs from all of Star Trek past, present, future, um, so to speak, and they they did a nice little drop on on Gary Mitchell. No kidding. Oh, now that is. <laughs> That is a story Pilot number two. That is a story, <laughs> Gary Mitchell. That's a story that that should have come back somehow. <laughs> and, and they found a neat little way to kind of bring it back. It, it's not him, but that they used that as the basis for what was happening in the episode, and it was just you know, like that's a nice little Easter egg right there. <laughs> you know, it that and um. The character that I was amazed that never came back in any way, and maybe it did, or maybe he did in a novel form or something like that. Sure. Uh, but um, what was his name? Charlie X. Charlie X. Okay. You know, yeah. you know the end of the uh, the original series episode, he gets just taken away by some omnipotent forces, and he's got you know incredible mind powers and everything. He's effectively like a, a adolescent Q. You know, like a next generation, right. never mentioned. No, no Easter egg, no name drops, nothing. Never returns in any of this series. I'm like, that just seems like it's a really rich, you know, mine, and no one, no one put the shovel in. Well, and you, and you know what? Because I know the 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 writers and show runners are huge fans of ours, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're going to hear this and they're going to take that. No, it's actually uh, one thing that I love and I need to watch more of the follow-up episodes, uh, the ones that Will Wheaton does. Um, uh, What is it? The Ready Room. He he does a series called The Ready Room where he does follow-ups on the new Star Trek stuff. Um, And having watched a couple of those, the people that make Lower Decks are ginormous fans of the entire franchise so they mine everything Mm -hmm. to to fill out and especially since this is supposed to be a comedy so while they are kind of running their own parallel storyline it's meant to have a little fun at the expense of star trek without without making fun of it right uh so they yeah they 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 dig in deep on some of the history, and it's just kind of fun. So you never know. Yeah, Charlie maybe. X could come back. Maybe. I, I would just, even if he doesn't come back, just some reference to him somehow. Maybe John Delancey shows up and starts and shares some story about his friend Charlie or something like that. You know? Right. That, that's all I would want. Second season, Picard's coming. Oh, that's true. And John Delancey is. Oh, that is true. He's featured in there. Yeah. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, so. I'm, kinda, I'm looking forward to that because I'm really curious to see where they go with that. There's a lot of track. It's so nice to actually be in the uh, position to be looking forward to Trek again. Right. I'm looking forward to Picard. Uh, eventually, I'll get to Lower Decks. I'm looking forward to uh, the 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 Pike. Uh, series of yes. uh, Strange New Worlds is that what it's called? Strange New Worlds, that's the series. Yeah, um, yeah. And they're still gonna hammer in a fourth season of Discovery. So. Yeah, I gotta catch up on that. I, I'm I'm a little curious about what they did with their uh, third season. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I won't spoil anything for you, but feel free. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what I've heard. Okay, you you know me to be a huge Star Trek fan. Um, Yawn. Uh, um, yeah, you go ahead and watch that. <laughs> all right, fair enough. We will take a real quick break and we'll listen to a promo for another show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a made-for-TV movie from 1977 called The Night They Took Miss Beautiful. Looking for some great indie podcasts to listen to? Check out the Pod Nation list on podchaser.com, where you can find a list of great indie podcasts, get links to their official websites, and even listen to some of their episodes without needing to create an account or log in. So, once again, for some great indie podcasts, check out the Pod Nation list on podchaser.com. Hey there. 
Do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. This was a made-for-TV drama that appeared October 24th, 1977 on NBC. It was produced by Don Kirshner. Kirshner was best known as a music producer and manager of several successful pop groups, including the Archies, Kansas, and the Monkees. From 1970 to 79, he produced and executive produced many made-for-TV movies, TV specials, and series. This movie's stars include Chuck Connors... Gary Collins, Henry Gibson, Sherry North, Victoria Principal, Gregory Sierra, Phil Silvers, and Jonathan Banks. The plot of the film is five international beauty pageant finalists, the pageant producer, played by Henry Gibson, the host, Phil Silvers, are all being flown to Nassau for the pageant final. En route, the plane is hijacked by a couple of terrorists, Gregory Sierra and Jonathan Banks. They have plans on ransoming off the contestants. Unbeknownst to them, or the contestants, the plane is also carrying a U.S. government courier, played by Gary Collins, and another agent disguised as a pageant contestant, who is Victoria Principal, who has in their possession a vial of a deadly virus. Landing on a remote island, the hijackers meet up with a third and somewhat unhinged partner, played by Sherry North, and they wait for their ransom demands to be met. To pass the time, they devise ways to terrorize and abuse their prisoners. It's up to some government agents and the airport security head, played by Chuck Connors, to find the plane, destroy the toxin, and if they can, save the hostages. Also, a couple other names. Uh, Karen Lamb and Marsha Lewis actually also play large roles in the film, but I don't think they were as recognizable names as any of the others I listed. So I didn't put them up top, but as I was describing last time, is what I consider kind of like one of the classic made-for-TV casts. It's just got a lot of names that, are they popular now? No. Were they popular before? Yes. (laughs) With the exception of maybe Gary Collins. Gary Collins' career was actually just on the rise, I think, at this point. He would go on, he'd already starred in several films, he'd star in several more and host a uh, talk show for about eight years in the uh, early to mid-80s. So uh, aside from him, uh, I think everyone else, yeah, not uh, not household names anymore. And, and I know we'll talk about him anyways, but one of the ones that I was stunned to see in the movie, Jonathan Banks, still probably to this day... Not a household name. No. If you say Jonathan Banks in, in mixed company, unless unless you're really into this stuff, that name doesn't necessarily strike you. But if you see his face, you've seen him in everything. He's the guy from Breaking Bad. Better call Saul. And anytime you need a bad guy. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he was just a character actor at this point, And I guess he's one of these people... He's just been that character actor. You know, he's never been the star. He's never been... I think he's one of those men who've careers... He probably found, like, new life in his career with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah. I I have no doubt. (laughs) So, yeah, he he was also one of those people where you're looking at him, you're thinking, boy, he seems familiar. It's like, well, you've either seen him in Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, or you've seen him in anything else you've ever watched (laughs) at least once (laughs) 
I, I, he even does voice acting. <laughs> God, because uh, I have been such a fan of him in like uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad that um, that seeing him so young in this was kind of <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Not used to that. You got hair, dude. Yeah, some of the other, like, I was talking about Gary Collins. Yeah, he's film and TV actor, talk show host. Um, you recognize him. He's got the voice. He's he's done a lot more than I ever thought he had as far as film and television. I've only seen mm-hmm. him really as this sort of occasional guest star. And then I was saying for, like, eight years he hosted a talk show and did some other right. TV talk uh, stuff. It's so it's surprising for me to see him in a film and then go and actually look him up and realize he's done a lot more than I ever would have guessed. He's a, a one of those faces too, like, very much like Jonathan Banks. You've seen him more than you realize you have. I actually don't like seeing him as the actor. He just feels more like the talk show host. He should oh, be. Oh, really? Yeah, for me, he's just, he's talk show or he's radio voice or something. I, it, It's weird for me to see him as an actor. See, I never caught any of the talk show. Mm. So for me, I've only ever known him as the, the character actor guy that show, shows up, but he's like in everything. That, and I think he did a series of commercials. Probably. He may have. I'm Gary Collins for <laughs> <laughs> They all did at some point, that, didn't they? Yeah, so he I remember that kind of thing, but the but yeah, no, I'm I'm used to his character acting, so I think that's kind of funny oh, that's that you right. think him the other way. Now the uh, the tallest star in the film, <laughs> Chuck Connors. <laughs> pound for pound. <laughs> yeah. Uh most famous for the ABC series The Rifleman. And uh you know, he's like the western guy. So in this you're kind of like Man, what are you doing here? And why are you wearing that tie? And, <laughs> and how did you fit through the door? Because he looks like he's ten feet tall compared to everybody. Oh, I, I know, but he, if you're used to seeing him in the westerns and all that, for an airport security guy, he still plays it like a cowboy. A, a little bit it does. I really feel like there was just kind of like an odd bit of casting it was just sort of well we've got chuck connors do we got anything for him well i don't know we're <laughs> casting for this drama about an airport <laughs> yeah perfect give him that sure plug him in <laughs> he never struck me as phoning this in or anything but there are moments where i'm thinking what are you doing here do you even know <laughs> i think he gave it his all i just wasn't the casting choice i think i don't know i don't know who i wanted in that part i think nobody (laughs) any (laughs) any other character actor maybe yeah like i don't know who i'd put in the role but the role was kind of key it was more key than a i was really kind of stunned by this movie to be to be fair um it was far more complicated than I was expecting it to be in in a good way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when you start with the whole storyline uh, around the the beauty pageant um, and you're getting the characters and the little bits and then they're getting on a plane. And then the plane is hijacked. And I had read the synopsis beforehand, too, so. I'm expecting the virus part to to be more of a, a key player in this, but no, we find out that they they're calling themselves some sort of freedom fighters, but they they're just they just want money. They're right. crooks. Um, so they want to hold the pretty women hostage so that they can get millions of dollars. That's the that's the sum total of this whole whole shtick. Mm-hmm. Um. Only to find out that these these freedom fighters uh, actually have managed to come across <laughs> capturing a, a dangerous virus that has nothing to do with the storyline other than the fact that it's there. And puts a giant a, target on their back. <laughs> yeah, it puts it like like there's a point in the movie where they're trying to collect their money 
And, and they, they are smart enough to at least reproduce the radio signal on a boat, and that thing gets torched by, by the Air Force. Yeah. Because this is a big government deal now, having nothing to do with the beauty pageant. Yeah, yeah. This, so, this virus thing is so dangerous that they've decided that the contestants, everyone on board the plane, they're, they're lost. They have to destroy right. this. Absolutely, which at no point do anyone does anyone that is a hostage know any of that is happening. Um, so Chuck Connors' character in this is our link to government overreach and protection versus the needs of the actual humans that are involved in this, that are unwittingly involved in all of this. So... He's trying to be that voice of reason between the two, so you need him. I don't know if Chuck Connors was the guy to do it, but but because he has his cowboy attitude through the whole thing, it works. His his ability to just go screw you, G men. This is how it's gonna go. Right. That you, you kind of needed somebody to do that. So, so you mentioned yeah. um, the beauty pageant. It's the film starts with us seeing a clip from this, you know, uh, semifinals, I guess it is. of the, Miss Beautiful. Of Miss Beautiful. And we have got Phil Silvers playing the, the host. <laughs> and uh, obviously drunk off his ass. And, and it cuts back and forth between... Commented by the crew. <laughs> yes. The, the scenes cut between um, being on stage with Phil Silvers and the contestants and being in the, uh, in the booth with the... Uh, with the the television directors and the, and the, the film guy, the edit, whatever. And there's a brilliant line. And this is one of the ones where I thought, wow, this is actually written a little bit more intelligent than I would have ever expected. Cause Phil Silver's at one point, one of the contestants is an African American. Oh, she's from the Virgin. She's Islands. a Virgin Islands. Excuse me. Yes. Not, not American. He makes a line. He, she gets her ribbon or whatever and says, oh, you're a credit to your race. And the first thing you think of is like, I can't believe he just said that. And the very next line from one of the technicians in the booth, I cannot believe you said that. <laughs> he said that. <laughs> and yes, no, I, I, I we weren't going to get through this without talking about that particular moment. I, I, like, I think where you're going with this, I was so proud of that movie yes. in that moment <laughs> that, that not only did they they choose to introduce this off-color humor, this racist, uh, the, this notion, but then to denounce it right away. Yes. Like, that's 1977. I wasn't expecting No, that. me either. That took me by surprise. I just, the first time I saw that, and yeah, literally as I'm thinking it, that guy's saying it. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> so, yeah, kudos to 1977 and this made-for-TV movie to at least point out there are people who are assholes and say stupid stuff. <laughs> another, uh, another moment that I thought really worked for that because you're sitting there thinking how ridiculous the G-men come in to Chuck Connors' office. And they're in their suits, and they got their big, the black, the sunglasses, and everything. And and uh, Chuck Connors makes some crack. What's with the Foster Grants? <laughs> it's like, thank you. Glad someone else saw that. It was wondering that. <laughs> That's what I think I was most stunned by. Is this was a interesting little nugget. It's a it's a little more mature than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. This I, I didn't tell you this before. This is the film that kind of inspired our made-for-TV series. Oh, really? I watched this. It just popped up as a uh, you might like or something for some reason. Maybe one of the other. I'd watch something with one of the other actors or something like that. I don't know. And so I gave it a watch. This is about a year ago or so. And I was taken aback by how mature this was. This was not what I was expecting. And with many of the made-for-TV movies that we've already watched in this series, this is far and above the most mature and, you know, kind of, they showed that on primetime? Yeah. <laughs> well, or 9 o'clock maybe isn't primetime. 
And because we're talking about how mature and and actually a little more um, nuanced this movie was. Yes. Is I want to get into the the scene where our freedom fighters have uh, have their hostages in this like little shed, this mechanics place on an island. Uh, I assume that they're supposed to be maybe somewhere in Cuba or at some island. I think it was a disused um, naval base or something like that. It was yeah, there was barracks or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, because well, and when the, the when the G men land, they they pick up some local militia folks or something like that. But at any rate, um, so they're in there with uh, the hostages are there and. Of course, these are all beauty pageant, and they're trying to get into it. There, there's uh, there's one of the characters and her mother, mm-hmm. um, and they they hint at stage mom oh, yeah. issues Some, early on. Who, whoever wrote this was not a fan of stage moms or had a very right. bad opinion of them. Right, but they decided to take it to a new level. Yes. Um, because at one point, uh, one of the um, one of the henchmen is uh, interested in one of the particular women, and she notes he actually kind of already notes the psychology going on between her and her mother just in watching the, them interact, mm-hmm. and decides to prey upon it by um, convincing the mom to talk her daughter into being physical with yes now the let's call it what it is he wants to rape Mm -hmm. her they take all of that completely off screen and nothing nothing is seen there's no attack but it's all the drama that goes up to and following that that was way more than I was expecting for something like this. For I mean, there's no other way to put it. Pimps her daughter out for for their safety rather than for Mm -hmm. money. And I think there's a little bit of an analogy of that because of how we've been um, introduced and how we've learned about this. Cindy Lou is the, the young woman's name in that she has been doing this beauty pageant thing all her life because of her mother. Her mother is the one that got her into it. Her mother is the one that has pushed her. Her mother is the one that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Gary Collins' character has a conversation with, with the girl. And like, well, was it fun? It's like, well, it, what do you mean? You know, it, it's just, it, it is what I do. Or don't you feel beautiful? And like, you don't feel beautiful. You just are. I mean, she has been for no other way to put it, like a piece of meat <laughs> or, or treated as such uh, by her mom. No, absolutely. Because we also get a little impression that her mom is kind of like reliving her own glory days. You know, she was once a beauty or, contestant. Or living days that she wished she had. Yeah. A little bit of both, maybe. It's very disturbing. It's very dark. And yeah, there's, you know, message. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you actually... Uh, you said it outright because she calls her out on it at the end of the movie. She tells her mom, I am not a piece of meat. Right. The things that unfold, uh, and that's what I mean, is this movie has so many nuances. The things that unfold allow this girl to finally get her freedom from what it is that she never wanted to be a part of. It was entirely driven by her Yeah, well, and she didn't even know that she didn't want to be a part of it. She didn't know any other life. And that, I think, is probably just one of the, like, sadder moments or, or sadder themes right, of this movie. That, yeah, because it took her to be physically assaulted based on her mother's say-so for her to break that connection. Mm-hmm. And she's got to live with that now. Yeah, hey, uh, that, that's the relationship where you can't imagine is ever amended. Or, or mended, right. I should say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be... Estranged mother, <laughs> you know, as far as Cindy Lou's life. That's a thread unto itself in a in a movie that has so many threads in it already. Yes, 
made even darker for me because the uh, the terrorist the terrorist that instigates this whole thing is played by Gregory Sierra, who I'd only known as Chano from the first couple years of Barney Miller. He's supposed oh, to be yeah. a cop, man. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember where I had known him from, and now now you just hit on it. I'm like, oh yeah, there's something. There's something that didn't sit right with me seeing him in this you're role. You're supposed to be a cop, and you're supposed to be funny. What are you doing? <laughs> While we're on uh, surprise uh, roles, too, um, I only think I, it was... It, Victoria Principal was in Dallas, yes. right? That's that's where I know her best Pamela from. Ewing on Dallas, yes. Yes. That, that, that. So I, ha- I can say I haven't honestly seen her in anything else. And I found I was pleasantly surprised by her in this film too, because uh, again, she's the she's a beauty contestant, but she is part of this this uh, secret thing related to the virus in the vial, and her method of trying to get the vial back was amazing. Yeah. Doing the Groucho Marx routine, um, right down to. Her kicking a little ass there at the end, uh, to also defending uh, Gary Collins's character to Cindy Lou, who got the way wrong impression. And I'm I, that was the one slip for the movie for me, is when Cindy Lou's character somehow calls Gary Collins's character out as being a coward at the end. And I'm not sure where she made that particular. Yeah, connection. that that line didn't sit well with me either because nothing really happened. I mean, because he didn't like jump in front of a bullet. I mean, what exactly did she, what she expecting well, yeah, of the him? Three, the three of them were hauled away at gunpoint. Um, her, Victoria Principal, and Gary Collins. They're hauled away at gunpoint. The craziest of the bunch is the one that's got him and forces him onto the plane. If she thinks that he took off without everyone else was a was any way his decision, yeah. I don't know where she jumps to that conclusion. Yeah, no, it didn't. That didn't sit well with me either. Uh, it seemed like they, I don't know, I, I don't know why they felt that line needed to be in there. Yeah, they they like deeply wanted to somehow say they they wanted to make him to be declared a hero, but she wouldn't have known why because she know that that was part of the beauty part of the whole thing. All of the beauty contestants really never knew anything about the virus part. In fact, only the one uh, Jonathan Banks character is the only one that learns anything about the, the virus hard way. other than the <laughs> the. the, the and not in the best no. way. <laughs> uh, but he's the only one other than the people who already knew about mm-hmm. it <laughs> to find out what that was. Yeah, now, yeah, Victoria Principal, I think, it was, she was fun. Um, her accent was maybe a little, yeah, you know. <laughs> and she's, she's... It was a little dodgy who she was supposed to be or She's playing where. Miss Israel. <laughs> I don't know if... Miss Israel would really be that much of a fan of Groucho Marx um, playing to the U.S. judges. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's show business. You're already doing whatever you need to. But it's a trip watching Victoria Principal doing the Groucho Marx impression. <laughs> it was. It really was. It, it, she was actually genuinely entertaining doing. She maybe should have. Maybe I mean she was uh, Pamela Hewing on Dallas for a lot of years. She kind of I think mostly retired from acting, became an author. Maybe she really needed to find a career in like comedy, because maybe she had something there that was not. Uh, no one bothered to try to uh, bring out because she's too pretty. Yeah, probably. <laughs> can't be that pretty but and funny it, it, it's amazing how much that sometimes plays at least it did yeah so but yeah no uh, i i found myself genuinely charmed at that moment not only was it was it slick yeah pretty clever <laughs> what she was trying to do 
Uh, pretty, but she was genuinely good at it. Pretty fortuitous, <laughs> because well, we didn't mention this. This vial is disguised as a cigar case. Right. And so she luckily had a really good Groucho Marx impression routine, and she needed a cigar for a prop. So she gets her hand on the vial again so she can do this little thing. So like, fortuitous, I guess, that all that happened to work out just that way. <laughs> yeah, but see, that... I, I'm going to give the, the movie, or at least the character, a little more credit than, than that. We have no idea if that was a routine that she had prepared. She could have improvised. The Made it up on the spot? The moment. Oh, possible. Yeah. She could have wedged it in there, because, I mean... They were, uh, uh, that had its own little perverse charm too. Is uh, for those that have not seen this, uh, uh, the 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 terrorists that have have decided to make a game of who gets to die first if the ransom is not met on time, uh, because they've promised a body for every time that they're late with the ransom. Uh, typical hostage scenario. Um, but in this case, since they're all uh, beauty pageant contestants, they've decided to have the the contestants under this horrible duress situation actually put on a show. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to the credit of everyone that was in the movie, played just like you would expect something like that to do where you're forced to do something fun in a situation that is not fun at all. Um, it seemed painful. Yes. Didn't they do an amazing job? All the actresses, when they're going up and they're doing their thing, and every one of them had that shaky voice like they're about to break, you know, they're about to break into tears or they're about to just collapse. And, like, I don't know how you did that. Did you really have someone there with a gun? <laughs> Did you tell them that Sherry North was actually holding a live gun? Right, or clearly these people were far more talented than the rest of the uh, of Hollywood gave them credit for because it it came off just like you might expect that situation to come yeah. off. I'm I have to perform, but I'm gonna get shot if they don't like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, that it. Every bit of that felt like they were in the middle of that situation for real. I, I mentioned Sherry North. She plays the the kind of strung out uh, third party of the uh, terrorist group here, and I think she was fantastic in this. Apparently, playing I don't I haven't seen her in a lot of things. Apparently, this is kind of playing against type. The only other thing I'd saw I'd seen her in was a um, what year was it? It was a. 1966, she played in a little B-movie uh, film called Destination Inner Space, which is a surprisingly actually in- entertaining um, sea monster-like uh, film. Worth looking, worth looking up. You, it's actually one of the, it, probably the second best underwater creature a suit next to uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's saying something. Uh, but anyway, that's about the only other thing I've seen her in. So I didn't really didn't have a lot of experience with her, but seeing her in this, I mean, she is crazy. You think at any minute she's just gonna blow everyone away to hell with the money? It's just she's had a bad day. Well, yeah, and <laughs> watching her her fellow terrorists uh, uh, egg her on because she's like she had her own backstory you could damn near follow because uh, it, it was yeah. clear. She has an addiction problem and is trying to kick it right while she's trying to do all of this. So, like, they're right. they're torturing her with, with with alcohol and stuff, like trying to get her to drink and she won't do it. And, like, that's a whole story unto itself among all this other stuff going on. Now, that, that is actually one thing where I feel like maybe they had an idea and they decided to go another way. Because uh, Gregory Sarah tells uh we're just using the actor's names because i didn't i don't have everybody's character's name and everything gregory sarah tells jonathan banks hey just keep an eye out for her. you know how she gets when she's strung out you watch her and then literally just a couple minutes later she goes hey we're gonna have a game and she starts you know she's got the gun she's waving it around and she comes up with the idea for everyone's gonna put on their little variety show or whatever and 
Jonathan Banks thinks, oh, he's just laughing along and he's going to play along and he's having a great time along with her. And Gregory Sarah's over there and he, he, he does that sort of sad little shakes his head. And you think, okay, he's going to be the one that's going to be like the, uh, the voice of reason amongst the three. You know, because he's the one so far we haven't seen him pull the trigger. Jonathan Banks has already killed a pilot. You know, this woman's obviously crazy. So we think he's going to be the one that's going to hold it all together and he's going to end up saving someone's life or saving someone from these persons. He's going to be the redeemed one or something like that. And then five minutes later, he goes to Cindy Lou's mom and talks her into letting him have his way with her daughter and does nothing to stop the whole variety show. So like, yeah, you, so I do feel like they're there. It's just like they felt like they were going to go in one direction and then midway they decided, no, no, let's just keep going dark. And, and, and that's <laughs> what was, and I almost want to say disturbing about it, but uh, it, it had that sense of real. There, there, this didn't have that normal TV, everything's going to be all right at the end. Because even though... You got the sort of happy ending. Most of the hostage, the mm-hmm. hostages are recovered, so other than anyone that knew how to fly a plane. <laughs> but the beauty pageant contestants have been saved, and everyone in their crew, and they get to go on and do their thing. But it's not really a happy ending. That's not typical made-for-TV movie. No, and especially. There is not. You got someone like Phil Silvers mm-hmm. and Henry Gibson, who are both known for their comedic mm-hmm. portrayals. They don't play comedic parts. I mean, Phil Silvers a little bit in the beginning when he's the drunk he's host the or whatever. He he's not. He's not funny. He he's sympathetic. He's uh, he's he's. You're you're like oh I'm sorry you're like that. <laughs> so there's no like right. comedic moments brought on by them um henry gibson plays he's he's the producer who thinks he's better than producing something like this and he got stuck with it he's Mm -hmm. a bit of an ass (laughs) actually (laughs) which is very strange if you're used to seeing him as the uh you know the illinois nazi in the blues (laughs) brothers or on uh regular appearances on rowan and martin's laughing so yes very strange to see him in something like this so yeah they have such strong uh, comedy characters and it not have comedic moments with them. Again, uh, he had, it was a comedic moment, but it didn't, but it hit the right way. Uh, it wasn't intended to be funny. It, it was dark funny because at the end of this tale, his la- his last scene is him on the phone to the people that he is working for as he's producing this thing. And telling him never to hire him again. (laughs) Yes. And and it has, I think it has less to do with the the hostage situation and more to do with he doesn't want to be a part of this kind of thing ever again. No, it did not have that made-for-TV film feel to it through most of it. The the only parts that really felt made-for-TV was probably the moments with Mm -hmm. Chuck Connors and the G-Men. Even when they do their little rescue thing and suddenly it turns into, like, um, Magnum P.I. action music and, you know, explosions and and car chases. And you're like, where the hell did all that come from? (laughs) Yeah, they they were kind of the outlier. But, I mean, even in that, this was... this was a battle between uh, doing the right thing and, and what is the right thing. I mean... While you kind of despise the G-Men in this for their callous nature of what they're doing, you also kind of understand the big picture thing that they're trying to do. Mm. It, it, it's yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah, we might have to kill some people, but it's to save millions. So, I mean, right. you'd hate having to do the calculus, but I think even at that point, um, at one point, the guy actually points out, I do this so another, others don't have to. Well, yeah, there's actually that one uh, good moment. Chuck Connors is, how do you guys sleep at night? And the guy looks at him, sometimes with great difficulty. 
you know, like, oh. Yeah, like, he, he, he's <laughs> you know, being straight hit it up, home. Uh, this sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do it so you don't have to. So, yeah, no. So even even when you get the, the weird buddy cop feel occasionally, because it is 1970s TV, <laughs> they can't write it out of their DNA entirely. <laughs> But it still manages to elevate above that. There are things in this that I say you could call flaws. There are flaws in this. But there is so much other good stuff packed around it. You just kind of, you just excuse it. Mm -hmm. Um, The the MacGuffin of the why the virus, you know, they're going to transport the virus on the the plane with the pageant people. And they're going to charter this crappy ass World War II a flying boat and you know all this stuff and you're like why 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 would you do this and there's a contestant that's undercover like what yeah forget it just let it go because if you if you focus on that you're gonna miss everything else mm-hmm. that that's what i was stunned by there is so much good to this that yeah the 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 cheesy 70s thing and, and some of that stuff, it's easy to just let it go. Just mm-hmm. be into it because this has some impressive acting. It has some impressive storytelling and a lot more nuance. There's nobody in the movie that is 100% one-dimensional uh, other than maybe the, the show host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who, who is just there just for that, to be an ass so that you can ignore him. He's not he's not part of this. So. Right. Yeah. No, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I figured this was going to be the one that you, you were either going to... You were going to like it or you weren't, you know? I, <laughs> no, I'm I glad you enjoyed it. come away from this one maybe not liking it. Because, because if you don't take the time to appreciate the good in it, it is kind of a mess, but it's a mess because life is a mess, and this was going to be a messy situation. But nothing is cookie cutter about it, and that's what I really loved about it. I was impressed with it. I, I just found it a very interesting watch. Mm-hmm. You know, when the first time I saw it, and it just it wasn't what I was expecting out of a 1970s made-for-TV movie. I thought this was the kind of thing that you, you know, you wind down and you watch before the news and not really pay much mind. And like, man, if you did that, you missed a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I see what you were saying when we went into even trying to, to watch this. It, it defies classification. It, you can't just fit it into something. It, it, this isn't an airport drama. This isn't. A sci-fi thing. It's not a thriller. It's not a. It, it, it doesn't sit snugly into any particular thing because it is. It's just this very weird set of circumstances that's still life. It, yeah, no, good watch, good find. Hey, excellent, good. Glad you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think we should talk about what we're going to be doing next time. Next time, yes. Uh, we're going to be continuing our uh, Mystery Science Theater Unrift with my introduction to Mystery Science Theater. Um, I came across this back in the good old days of living in my parents, uh, had my little setup in the basement, came across Comedy Central, all of a sudden saw this black and white movie on Comedy Central that I didn't know what the hell this was doing on Comedy <laughs> Central. And... The silhouettes at the bottom of the screen were not quite obvious to me at the time, but all of a sudden I'm just kind of watching this scene and all a character out of nowhere starts singing, the hills are alive, and then goes, oh, maybe not, because there's a character walking through a cemetery at night. (laughs) And I'm like, what the hell was that? (laughs) So I sat down and finished watching it and then introduced Christopher to Mystery Science Theater. That film was the 1961 Ring of Terror. So we're going to watch that on Rift. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. I have not watched this one on Rift ever. I've only seen it maybe a couple times on MST. It, it, it's because it is what it is to me. It's got a close. 
it's close to my heart. I can't not watch it when it's on. But yeah, no, I've never sat down to watch this film without any kind of commentary. So this should be fun. (laughs) Yeah, this should be a good one. All right, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll do that in a couple weeks. Until then, uh, certainly, again, if you have any uh, feedback or you want to leave any ratings, please do so. If we get any more good readings, I will, of course, uh, mention them here on the show. If you're going to give us bad ratings, be creative. At least be creative, and I will still add them to the show. Yep. (laughs) Please, if you go and watch uh, The Night They Took Miss Beautiful, really like to hear your opinion on the film. Absolutely. Because outside of Tom and I, I know no one that has watched this movie. Not a single (laughs) one. Didn't know this was a movie till we did this. (laughs) Exactly. So I'd really love uh, some additional uh, opinions on that film. So that's going to do it, Tom. Thanks very much. I'm glad you enjoyed the film. Absolutely. Um, Looking forward to your MST3K introduction next time. So until then, everyone, thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. See ya.